So I'm here again with Brian Newman, our legal correspondent. Brian, how's it going? It's going well, Paul. Great to be back. So you uh, you want to talk about copyright this week? It's an exciting topic. Yeah, it's a topic that comes up a lot in our forum. It's a topic that a lot of people are not that aware of, as with many of the legal issues that we talk about in these segments. And one of the most important questions is really who owns the rights to designs? Let's start out with an architect working on his own for clients. When he designs something, who owns that? Well, there's there's no question, Paul. When the architect designs the building, the architect owns the copyright. And and one of the things folks may not understand, that the copyright actually comes into existence as soon as the architect puts a pen to paper or designs it on a computer. As soon as it's, it's fixed in a tangible medium, that's the, the term of art, the architect owns the copyright. Now, I'm going to recommend to all your listeners that they register the copyright. This is very important. Uh, this involves simply paying a, a fee of $35 or $55 to the United States Copyright Office. You fill out a form. You can submit it online. Registering it confers all sorts of rights in terms of your, your ability to file a lawsuit based on the copyright, your ability to preclude other people from using it. But uh, in terms of the actual ownership, the architect owns it as soon as he designs it, whether or not he registers it. But I recommend that he does register it. So what is the benefit to registering a, a design if you are, by default, the owner of the, the rights to that design just by you know putting the pen to paper? Well, the most important thing is if, if somebody uh, infringes on your copyright, the question is, what can you do about it? Well, the most important right you have is to actually file a lawsuit for copyright infringement or send a cease and desist letter uh, in, in anticipation of a lawsuit. And, and the law is very straightforward. If it's not a registered copyright, you can't file a lawsuit. So it's essentially like having a, an unloaded gun. You have it, it's, it's worth something, but if it's not registered, you can't uh, use it for its, its main purpose, which is essentially to file uh, a lawsuit against an infringer. So it's, it's, it's a very low bar to, to gain those rights, simply filing the, the registration, and it has a, a large potential payoff in the event that, that somebody is infringing you. And how much does it cost? Uh, individual application is $35. It can go up to $55 depending on its uh, multiple applications. And there's there's different types of applications if you're registering as a, as a single author, a joint author, as a corporation. Uh, but it's, it's inexpensive and it, it's a relatively straightforward process that you can do without the assistance of a lawyer. So it's relatively easy and cheap. Now, is this something that would you have to register the unique details in a design or could you or would you uh, register the the design of an entire building? If you designed a building that was very innovative and it had a lot of innovative features, how would you go about registering? Well, you can register whatever you want. So this is this is another interesting quirk of copyright law. I, I can register design for a building which is totally unoriginal, even though copyright law requires me to only obtain a copyright on, on original works of authorship. The issue comes up if, if I then want to sue somebody for copyright infringement, one of their defenses is going to be this copyright should be essentially invalidated because it's not an original work of authorship. So I, I can register whatever I want. In terms of what to register, each thing I register in terms of each uh, design, each individual drawing, there would be a separate fee for that typically. So if I'm, if I'm comfortable paying the $35 fee, give or take, I can certainly register multiple drawings. Okay, so what if you're an architect that is working for a firm and you're designing a project for a big client, who then owns the rights to that design? So it's a great question. And there's two different principles which are, which are implicated by your question. Uh, the first is, is called the work for hire doctrine. It essentially means if I'm working for you, if I, Brian, am working for Paul Petronia Architects, and I, I design this building in the context of my employment, you own the copyright. You, Paul Petrunia Architects, LLC, or Paul Petrunia Architects, Inc., whatever form you're in, 
is the owner of the copyright. If it's being designed for a client, Paul Petrunia Architects is still the owner of the copyright, unless there's something specific in the agreement between the architecture firm and the client, which transfers ownership of that copyright. So while, while the client certainly has a right to construct the building, to occupy the building, the actual copyright for the building remains with the architect or the architecture firm unless it's transferred. So that that transfer, is that a clause that would be in a, in a typical client-architect contract? Well, it certainly could be. And it's, it's something I would encourage your listeners to negotiate as part of their agreements with clients. I mean, this is something which should be brought up at the outset of a relationship, not at the end uh, when there's a misunderstanding as to who owns it. But very simply, the, the default position is that the architect or the architecture firm is the owner of the copyright unless there's something in writing which transfers that ownership. So if there's something in the, in the contract with the client that says the client shall own all right, title, and interest to the copyright designs uh, here and created by the architect, that would be effective to transfer ownership of that copyright to the client. Absent such a clause or another contract transferring copyright ownership, the architect is going to retain ownership of that copyright and, uh, and all the rights that go along with it. In regards to this topic, I noticed there was a, a comment in our forum from a user that stated that when a client requests the, um, the rights to one of his designs, he typically gives three options. One, they can buy it at full price, which is 10 times gross fee with a 50% cash payment in advance. Two, they can make him an equity partner in the project for a minimum 10% stake. Or three, they can find another architect. Are those typical or uh, reasonable requests? Well, I think it's, it's really a business decision in terms of uh, you know, the particular client you're dealing with, whether they'll agree to something like that. In my experience, many, if not most clients would not agree to one of those options. I guess it really depends on a, on a case-by-case basis. I will say, I mean, the proposals offered by uh, your user and his, and his comment are certainly legal. I mean, this is something you can do. The question is whether uh, your average client uh, would agree to something like that. In my experience, certainly most uh, commercial clients are not going to agree to that just because uh, this is significantly more participation by the architect than they would, they would typically be accustomed to. But I guess it really depends on what, what you can negotiate. And this goes back to the issue of why, you know, when, when you first meet with your client and discuss the scope of the representation, you want to talk about, you know, who's going to own the copyright. And if the client says, I want to own the copyright, well, that's the time to have the conversation and then memorialize in your contract exactly what it is that, that you've agreed to and what compensation uh, you as the architect are receiving in exchange for relinquishing your copyrights. And if the client doesn't state that that he or she wants to retain the rights to the design, it's it remains the rights and uh, ownership of the designer or the architect. Absolutely. Okay. If it's if it's not transferred, the architect owns it. It's, it's as simple as that. And, and specifically, if it's not transferred uh, by something in writing, it can't be transferred by a handshake. Can't be transferred by an oral agreement. A copyright must be transferred uh, by an actual written document that's signed or ascribed to uh, by the architect and by whoever it's being transferred to. Uh, saying that I hereby relinquish my copyright to you. Now, in this example, the client does not request the right to the design. The architect designs a house for the client. Would the client then be legally allowed to take that design and create a housing development with 100 duplicate designs of that of that house? Almost certainly not. And the answer is, unless this is something that was specifically negotiated and agreed to in the underlying contract, uh, if, if I prepare a design for a client, that gives the client the right to prepare or to build a single example of that, not a not hundred examples. So the client is not legally 
permitted to do whatever they want with the design? Absolutely not. Unless, of course, it's something we negotiated for. If I had a client come to you and say, I plan on building a housing development, I'd like uh, you design the plans, and here's what I'm going to do with it. If this is within the scope of our agreed upon relationship, I can certainly do that. Otherwise, uh, this would be no different than me, uh, for example, uh, getting a DVD, a copy of a movie. Well, that, that copy entitles me uh, to play it once for myself, but I certainly can't make a thousand copies and sell those copies. That would essentially be what, it, what uh, the builder would be doing by taking uh, plans which were designed uh, for one building and turning it into a development with 100 buildings. So it sounds like the plan should be to, to outline these requests in the beginning. And I guess we can uh, refer back to our previous conversations on uh, past podcasts about how to put together a contract. So one of the uh, clauses in a contract should be the retention of rights of a design if the client seems to show any desire to, to retain those rights. And, and also, uh, we can refer back to the, uh, the conversation about disputes and resolutions. If, if this does come up, we can send people to back to that conversation to, uh, to look at ways that this type of dispute could be resolved. That's exactly right. And I think the, the takeaway point for your listeners should be uh, to discuss this issue at the beginning of the relationship. This is a negotiated point, not something which uh, you want to be addressing after you've already delivered the plans to the client and the client suddenly says, oh, I think I, I own the copyright to these plans. Well, actually, no, he doesn't own the, can- the plans if you didn't agree to that. So to, to keep things very, um, you know, very sanguine between you and your clients, if you do think the client is requesting an actual ownership of the copyright, this needs to be addressed at the outset and needs to be uh, hammered out in terms of the business points. It needs to be actually included in the contract. Uh, otherwise, if it's not in the contract, the good news for your listeners is if you're the architect, if there's nothing about the transfer of the copyright, you still own the copyright. There's no question about it. But obviously, you don't want to be in a situation where you're antagonistic to your client, where you have to send them a cease and desist letter, or, or God forbid, you even have to file a lawsuit. You prefer to avoid all that. So I would say uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Excellent. Well, I think uh, we uh, hit on the tip of the iceberg when it comes to copyright issues. So I look forward to talking about this more in, uh, in regards to other issues of copyright in upcoming episodes. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks.